Well, good morning, Harvest. Hey, if you got your Bibles there, open them up to John chapter 17. Well, this morning we are starting a three-week uh, mini-series within our uh, uh, To Boldly Go series about the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. And uh, this morning we're going to look at verses 1 through 5, and we're going to be hearing Jesus in, in His own words as he prays to the Father just hours before going to the cross. And in Christ's prayer, uh, we hear him praying in a way that models to us what a vertical faith looks like. A faith that's concerned and consumed by a passion for the glory of God. Now, if you've been at Harvest for uh, any time at all over the past year, then you would have heard us talking about being a vertical church. If that if vertical church is familiar to you, raise your hand. Yeah? Okay, so m- most of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you don't, come to Discover Harvest when we offer it, and you'll get the book. That's good. But there is. There's a whole book about, be, about what a vertical church means. But in a nutshell, here's what it is. It means that church is about God. It's about God. We come to worship Him. We come to learn from Him. We come to work for Him. A vertical church, up Godward, is filled with vertical disciples who are concerned with and consumed by a passion for the glory of God in all things. So the vertical disciple lives out a vertical faith, and that disciple is a useful tool in the hands of our Lord. And so this morning, as we see the first five verses of uh, John chapter 17, we're going to see Jesus modeling for us what a vertical faith looks like. Why don't you pray with me, and then we'll get into God's word together. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, God, that, uh, uh, that you've redeemed us by the blood of your son, Jesus. And uh, Lord, we gather here today for you. And uh, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds uh, to hear the things that you have to say to us, to believe the things you have to say to us, and to go out and live the things that you have commanded us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Though, uh, I want to give you guys a little bit of context here. Uh, Jesus is about to pray what's called, he's going to begin the prayer of what's called the high priestly prayer. Long prayer, John chapter 17. And he's praying this in the upper room with his disciples. Okay, so the upper room, that's where they had the Last Supper. So they all had the Last Supper, Jesus instituted communion, and then Jesus had what was called the upper room discourse. And he taught them about many things, including the coming of the Holy Spirit, You have the famous words of Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, You had the famous moment where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Um, You have all all these things that happen in the upper room discourse. And then, as he's sitting there at the table, Jesus looks up to the heavens and he begins to pray. He prays a prayer that everybody can hear. And he prayed it so that the Apostle John can write it down so that we can hear it and believe it and live it out in our own life. And so here's what it is. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Let's start with verse 1. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted, his up, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. So first, Jesus lifts up his eyes. I want everyone to look up to the heavens. Everyone just look up. Looking up, because I'm not looking down, so I can't see you. So I'm going to trust you're looking up. This was the posture of prayer. Looking up. Okay, now we can all look normal again. But that, that's, that's the posture of prayer. Looking up. When, when, when Jesus and other Jews of his day would pray, they'd raise their hands and they'd look up to the heavens. 
And it was a posture of prayer that acknowledged who God is. It acknowledged that he's on the throne, that he's on the throne above, that he's in authority over me, that he's the one that I'm praying to. That's a, good, that's a great posture of prayer to take. It's not the only posture of prayer, right? We see people on their knees in the scriptures. We see people, actually Jesus even talks about a tax collector who, who felt he was so sinful that he couldn't lift up his eyes. So we have people not lifting up their eyes. So this isn't a command about how to pray, but it's a type of, of a, a posture of prayer where you're able to acknowledge who God is. And so in this, Jesus prays to the Father and he says, the hour has come. Well, what's he talking about? The hour. What's the hour? Is he talking about a literal 60 minutes? Uh, is that what he's talking about? No. When the scriptures use the term, the hour has come, it can talk about an hour, but it rarely does. But it's, it's more talking about the period, the time period, the, the moment has come. It's a moment in time and it has arrived. So the hour has come. It's, uh, the, the time has come for Jesus to be betrayed, to be nailed to a cross, to be buried in the ground, to be resurrected, and ascended to be at the right hand of the Father. That's the hour. That's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about. And so he says to the Father, the hour has come. Now this hour was predetermined before the world ever began. There was a plan set in place between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that this was the hour that everything was driving towards. Jesus came, he was born as a baby, so that this moment can take place. So it's all coming down to this. And Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. And what does he want to happen? What's his first request? Glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. Now the term glorify, we're going to hear it a lot this morning. We're going to hear a lot about the the word glory and the word glorify. That's that's the foundation for what Jesus is beginning to pray for. And in this this verse, he uses it in two different ways. He says, says, uh, Father, glorify the son so that the Son might glorify you. So there's two different ways that this is going on. So the first way, when Jesus says, Father, glorify the Son, He's asking something extreme here. He's asking something that when the disciples would have heard it in that moment, they would have been shocked. What He's asking for is He's saying, Father, clothe me in the glory that belongs to you. Give me what's yours. That's what he's praying for. That shouldn't happen. That can't happen to anyone or anything that is not God. Well, what's glory? What, what, is, he, what is this glory that he's asking to be clothed with? We're going to put Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 up on the board, or up on the screen. This is glory. And the king, in the year um, that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, this is Isaiah talking, and I said, Woe to me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is glory. God is here. 
fully, completely, shaking the foundations of the earth, filling it with smoke, driving Isaiah to his knees, saying, I am unworthy, I am unholy, have mercy on me. Because what should have happened was that Isaiah should have died because of the radiant brilliance of the glory of God. And look at Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8. Look what it says. It says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Only God can have this glory. God doesn't share it with anybody. And so Jesus is saying, God, share this glory with me. Give me this glory. When I'm on the cross, show everyone who I really am, is what he's saying. But this leads us to our first point, because look at what Jesus is going to do. You can write this down in your notes. If you're going to live out a vertical faith, you need to pray vertical prayers, praying for Jesus to be glorified. Pray vertical prayers for Jesus to be glorified. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. He wants God to share with Him His glory so that He can in turn point back to the Father. He's praying a vertical prayer. He's not looking at Himself. He's not looking at the benefit that he's going to get. He's not looking at, at, the, 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 at, at what's going to make Jesus look great. Jesus wants people to know who he is so that he can in turn point up to the Father. Now, notice what he doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, oh Lord, just decrease this pain. Lord, decrease this suffering so that, so that, so that it doesn't got to be so bad. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, Lord, I'm not going to go through with this. I know that we talked about this. I know that we planned it out, but I'm not going to go through with it. Take it away. That would be a horizontal prayer. He's thinking about the horizontal plane. He'd be thinking about his flesh. Now, he might be sitting there thinking, but Brandon, didn't Jesus say, if if you could take this cup away from me, take it away? Yes, Jesus did pray that in the Garden of Gethsemane. But what does he say next? Not my will, but your will. That's his prayer. Jesus is looking vertically in his prayers, looking up, pointing people up. He's saying, Lord, when I'm on the cross and you give me glory, I want them to look at you. I want them to see how awesome you are. I want them to see how great your mercy is. I want them to see how great your compassion is. I want them to see how great your wrath is and that was poured out on me. That's what he wants people to see. Jesus is an arrow pointing up to heaven. He's praying a vertical prayer. Now, some of my favorite like stories uh, is reading about or watching videos when people text and walk. You ever, you ever seen those, those ones? I was watching one the other day where a kid was, was on his phone and he was texting and poof, runs into a wall. <laughs> it was awesome. Or... Or what about the story where the woman, she uh, uh, was texting on a pier in Michigan and she fell off the pier and landed in Lake Michigan? You see that one? It's pretty, it's pretty messed up. But this is, uh, this is by far my favorite one. Here's, here's my favorite texting and walking video. 
A couple of minutes ago, the bear left the clearing in the backyard there, and he made his way over to the driveway over on Mayfield. He came down that driveway, down Mayfield, and now he's on Briggs, and now it looks like he's uh, turning into another driveway here. We're going to kind of maneuver around and see if we can get another shot of him. Um, but, uh, yeah, he would definitely... Oh, right there. Oh, 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 man. Okay, we got someone, uh, resident there. <laughs> he yeah. just saw the bear. <laughs> Love that video. Parents, now you can tell your kids, kids, don't walk and text or you might get eaten by a bear. Right? He's just sitting there walking, text. Ah! He takes off going the other way. Good thing he kind of looked up. That was, wow. Okay, but what was he doing? He was looking down, right? He was looking down. Looking down, bear, down, bear, down. Ah! Okay, he wasn't looking up. Disastrous things happen in our lives when we don't look up. And how often are our prayers down? How often are our prayers horizontal instead of vertical? Right, so we see Jesus, he's about to experience the pain, more pain than anyone's ever experienced. His friends are going to run away. He's going to be, they're going to deny that they ever knew him. He's going to, his soul is going to be crushed by the weight of your sin and, and mine. And yet, what does he pray? He prays vertically, Lord, be glorified. So, are you in a crisis right now? Are you in a crisis? Anything. In the middle of your crisis, how are you praying? Are you praying horizontally? Lord, please just take this away. Make it end. I don't want it. Let it end. Lord, please, me, 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 me. Or are you praying vertically? Father, this is tough. This crisis is tough. But be glorified in it. I don't know how, but be glorified in it. How about pain? Jesus was facing pain. He was facing more pain than any of us would ever experience. When you face pain, are you in pain right now? Sickness. Are you hurting? How are you praying? Oh, Lord, just take this pain away. I can't bear it any longer. Can't bear this pain. Take it away. Or are you saying, Lord, be glorified in my pain. I don't know how you're going to do it, but Lord, I want people, when they look at me, that they see you. Be glorified in my pain. Or conflict. You got conflict in your life? Conflict with family, coworkers, friends? Lord, take away this conflict. I can't stand another Thanksgiving if you don't. Right? Or are you saying, Father, be glorified in this conflict? I don't know how, but I want this. I want people to look to you. Are you praying horizontally or are you praying vertically? We're modeled here by Jesus where his focus was. He wanted all attention, all honor, all glory to go to God the Father and God the Father alone. Where are your prayers focused? Vertically or horizontally? So the first principle of a vertical faith, pray vertical prayers for the glory of God. And the second principle is this. You can write this down. Vertical gospel. Believe and proclaim the gospel for God's glory. Vertical gospel, believe and proclaim the gospel for God's glory. <clears throat> so the hour has come, right? The hour has come for the gospel to happen. For Jesus to die on the cross, raise from the grave, and ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of God. The hour has come, it's here. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Verse 2, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This passage is packed 
packed to the gills with some rich theology. Jesus says that he has authority over all flesh. What in the world is he talking about? Okay, I want everybody to stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Yeah, you too. Stand up. Jesus says, he says that that the Father, since you have given him, talking about the Son, authority over all flesh. Authority means that you're going to have to answer to him. Okay? Authority means that Jesus is the King of kings, the boss of bosses, the Lord of lords. Over who? Christians? Nope. All flesh. If you are standing up in this room right now, Jesus has authority over you. You have heard his word, you're going to have to answer to it. You've heard his commands, you're going to have to give account for it. You've been face to face with who his son is, you are going to have to answer whether or not you believe the gospel or if you've rejected the gospel. Why? Because he has authority. His word stands over you. His person stands over you. And you have to give an account. That's what it means that he has authority. Go ahead and sit down. He has authority over all flesh. Well, what about, what about skeptics? Yep. What about Muslims? Yep. What about atheists? Yep. Mormons? Yeah. Catholics? Mm-hmm. Baptists? Yep. Harvest people? Yes. People who are undecided in this walk of faith. Yes. Jesus has authority over all flesh. And all flesh will have to give an answer to him. But what's this authority mount to? Take a look. Since you've given him authority, so he's the king, over all flesh, you and me, everyone that's ever existed, for what? For what purpose? To give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So the Father has eternal life to give to people. He gave that to the Son. And then He gave people to the Son for the Son to give eternal life to those people. It sounds like we're walking in circles, doesn't it? All right. We're going to illustrate this a little bit. Uh, El Thorpo. Can you come up here, brother? Thank you. This is Thorpe Shanley, everybody. Come on. Come on. Thorpe Thorpe Shanley. All right, Thorpe, you're going to be Jesus, all right? You're going to be Jesus. So there's your crown. You stand right over here. There's your crown. And uh, here's your uh, scepter, okay? There you go. Doesn't it look great? Looks good. Okay, so the Father gave the Son authority, okay? Hold up your scepter. That's your authority right there. Okay, and He gave you authority to give eternal life to all whom the Father has given you. So here, this is eternal life. Sour straws, right? I mean, we all know it. That's what it is. Um, and I was, at, I was at Jewel last night buying these, and, uh, and I bought a whole box of them, and, and, and the woman was like, oh, you really like these, don't you? And said, no, I'm preaching tomorrow. And she goes, oh, to children? <laughs> no. <laughs> Usually, but this time it's adults. Anyway, okay, so, so this is eternal life, okay? So you've been given authority to give eternal life to all that the Father has given you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send, I'm going to choose people, and I'm going to send them to you, and you're going to give them eternal life. Okay. All right? All right? 
All right, so let's, let's, uh, let's choose some people. Pastor Ryan, go ahead. You, you can, you, yeah, go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. All right, you can go on up. All right, all, all the Van Dyke boys, come on up, guys. All right, there you go. There you, go. you want to go on up, go on. There you go, you're, you're going up, you're going up. They're going up to Jesus, I'm giving, I gave him authority. They're raising their hands. Come on up, come on up, hand raisers. You guys can, come on, come on. Yep, yep. So, yeah, okay, go ahead, yep. So the Son has authority to give eternal life to all that the Father has sent to him. Does that make sense? All right, let's give, let's give, let's give our, our Savior a hand. You, you can take some too, Thorpe. You know, I, are you sure? All right. So Jesus establishes this, proclaiming that he has authority over all flesh. And it is only through Jesus Christ that you can have eternal life. That's it. Look at what he says in verse 3. He says, and this is eternal life. So he defines it. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. Okay, that's, that's one. Yahweh, not Allah. One God, one alone. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The word know, so to know uh, the one true God, it, it, it's a very highly relational term. It's a term of relationship. It's a term of love. It's not a term of just knowledge of being able to recite facts of the gospel. But it's, it's implying a relationship. It's implying that you have an intimate fellowship with the Father. And it's only available through Jesus Christ, whom the Father sent. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Here's what it says. It says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. And that authority runs through Him alone. And so I ask you today, this morning, do you have a relationship with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ? Do you have this eternal life that Jesus is talking about? Have you gone to the Father through the Son? Have your sins been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ as He bled and died on the cross? I ask you that this morning. There was a time when I, I wasn't there. I, everybody has a story, right? Everybody has a story about when they went from death to life. Everybody has a story about the moment where they heard the gospel and they responded. My story starts when I was 10. I, I was born and raised in a, uh, in a Roman Catholic tr- uh, home. Uh, and my dad came to Christ in, in 1989, and um, he, it, was, it was a radical transformation for him, and th- they were sending us to a Catholic school in Rochester, New York. Uh, Mother of Sorrows was my school. Um, and, uh, and he sent us to a Catholic school. Uh, and then when, when he came to Christ, when he made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, he s- switched us from a Catholic school to a Christian school, and I started going to school in the basement of this small church. 
uh, and uh, we had what was called Spiritual Emphasis Week. Uh, I was 10 years old. I was in fifth grade, and uh, the guy named John Gundon was the, uh, was the guest speaker. And now this was in the early 90s, back when the Bills went to four Super Bowls, mind you. Anyway, um, but um, no, Lou, they didn't, but that's beside the point. Uh, so this is, <laughs> this is in the early 90s. So John Gunnan had a sweet mullet, and, uh, and it was greasy and curly, uh, and he was, he, he was singing about Jesus, and I was just a kid. I didn't know what was going on. And then the Wednesday of that week, he shared the gospel, and he shared the gospel, and, and he made it clear to me that I was a sinner, that I had broken God's law, that I had done what was wrong in his sight and didn't do what was right in his sight, and I deserved death. I deserve death for it. But he pointed to Jesus. And he said, Jesus paid it all. Jesus has forgiven you if you place your faith in him. And so I did. I put my faith in Jesus Christ when I was 10 years old, and I was saved. Been walking with Jesus ever since. Do you have a story? Do you have a story from when you passed from death to life? If not, today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the day that you cross from death to life. If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, ask him for, to forgive your sins that you have done. Because it's either Jesus took them on the cross, or you pay for them in hell. What's your story? Do you have a story? Now this is who we are as a church. We're talking about preaching a vertical gospel. We're talking about <clears throat> believing and proclaiming the gospel for God's glory. So Jesus says it in, no, uh, in no, no questionable terms, and so we say it in no questionable terms. You're never going to come into this place and hear another gospel. You're never going to come into this place and hear us talk about how you can go to the mosque down the street or the synagogue down the street or the Baha'i temple down the street or, or anywhere else. We're going to say no. No, they're not preaching the true gospel. And so when you come in here, you're going to be confronted with sin you're going to be confronted with repentance. And you're going, to be, you're going to see the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And we're not going to tell you that the gospel is going to make you rich. We're not going to tell you that the gospel is going to, going to take all your problems away. We're not going to tell you that the gospel is going to straighten out the path in your life so that it's completely free and without knots because those would be lies. But we will tell you that if you believe the gospel, that you will have the eternal life that Jesus promises right here, and you can have it for sure today. That's who we are as a church. And as vertical disciples, trying to live out a vertical, a vertical faith, Jesus is calling you to preach this same vertical gospel, pointing people to the one true God and His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. And so we believe and proclaim the vertical gospel. We pray vertical prayers for the glory of God. And the third principle of living out a vertical faith is this. Number three, vertical work. Work for God's glory. Vertical work. Work for God's glory. Let's look back at the words of Jesus. <clears throat> Verse four. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So there's glorified. That's that word again. Everyone say glorified. That's that word again. We're going to be hearing it a lot. And what does it mean? It means that Jesus was pointing up. Jesus was pointing people upward, pointing people to the Father. And, he, and he's saying in his prayer to the Father that he glorified God on earth. How did he do it? He, he made attention to God on earth. How? 
by accomplishing the work that God gave him to do. God gave him a lot of work to do. Look at this uh, passage from uh, the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 15, verses 29 through 31. It says this. It says, Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain, sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing uh, with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. But they put them at his feet, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered. And when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, they glorified the God of Israel. So they saw the work of Jesus. Jesus is performing miracles. And what are they doing? They're pointing to the Father. They're giving the Father glory. They're worshiping the Father because of the things that Jesus did. It says he accomplished these works. It means he finished them. He's not only talking about the work that he did as, as, as a miracle worker and a teacher. He didn't, he's not only talking about those things, but he's talking about the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He's accomplishing the work. It's done. It's complete. You don't add anything to it. It's all of Christ. But also look at this. It says that, that he accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus was doing things that the Father had commanded him to do. Okay, let's back up here a second. Don't we remember in, uh, in verse 1 where Jesus was asking the Father to share the glory with him and thereby saying that he is God? Okay, well, how is it that Jesus is now sent? Jesus is accomplishing work that the Father actually sent him to do. Well, the nature of Jesus' work is completely humble. Look at this from, uh, from Philippians chapter 2. Here's what it says. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why? To point people to the Father. Everything that he did was an arrow pointing upward to God. The miracles that he did, the people that he healed, walking on the water, all of this that was set out for him to do, he did to make God famous, to make God look good, and to make everyone else look up. And as equally clear as this is about Jesus, the scriptures are clear about the fact that the Lord has set aside works for us to do. Did you know that you're gifted to do works for God? Did you know that? God has uniquely gifted you to do work for him. But did you know that in doing that work, you are to be pointing straight to Jesus? It's not about you. When we play guitar on Sunday mornings, well, I don't because I can't, but when people play guitar on Sunday mornings, it's not so that people can look at them and say how skilled they are. It's so that people can glorify God and worship God for who He is. I got a few pictures from uh, kids' ministry because I love it. And uh, I want to show these to you. Okay, well, first that's Paige Scott, but uh, secondly, that's also my daughter. That's Eden. Um, so it was an excuse to show our little Bubba up on the screen. Uh, but there, there she is. I'm sure that she probably had a freshly poopy diaper right there or something like that, uh, or was screaming in Paige's face or something. But Paige went on to go and serve these kids, right? So there's, there, there's my beautiful daughter. And I got this one too. Uh, this is um, uh, kids worshiping. 
There they are, worshiping Jesus. It's a party up there. Kids are glorifying God, worshiping Jesus. And there's the workers in the midst of the kids, pointing them to Christ. Awesome. Love it. And then, uh, and then we got this one. That's, uh, that's uh, Reggie leading the kids in prayer. Look at those kids bowing down and praying to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? Praise the Lord. Um, but this stuff is happening at Harvest Palace. Kids are being made into disciples of Jesus Christ. They're worshiping him. They're praying to him. They're learning from him. Because people have decided to work for Jesus so that they can point them to the Lord. Now imagine if the teacher went in there or, or Reggie went in there to lead the kids to pray and say, hey guys, uh, I'm going to teach you how to pray because I'm awesome at it. Uh, so why don't you bow your head and close No, don't bow your head and close your eyes. Look at me because I'm awesome. And listen to me as I pray so you can learn how to pray the greatest way possible. Right? That's bringing the attention to her. We don't do that. We point these kids to Jesus. We point these kids to the Lord. So vertical work. Work for God's glory. Hey, are you on a ministry team yet, by the way? We got fall coming up. We got a new ministry director. We got a WANA coming up. We got all these things. If you're not on a ministry team yet, get in one so you can work vertically for the Lord, for His glory. Go and sign up at the uh, uh, Work for Christ table right after church so you can learn how to uh, work for Him. So vertical work, work for God's glory. Vertical gospel, believe and proclaim the gospel for His glory. Vertical prayer, pray vertical prayers so that Jesus is going to be glorified. And finally this that we see in Jesus' prayer, number four, vertical worship. Vertical worship. Worship Jesus in His glory. Verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Okay, there's, there's glorify again. There's glory again. So we've already heard that, that Jesus is going to share in the glory of the Father. But Jesus adds something incredible here. Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. All right. Imagine you're one of the disciples around the table with Jesus, and you've been taught all your life to worship the one true God and to serve Him only, to love Him with all your heart, soul, and strength, and then Jesus just said, I'm Him. I mean, you're talking jaws hitting the floor. If their eyes were lifted to the heavens at that moment, they wouldn't be lifted at the heavens anymore. They'd be looking at each other going, what? What did he just say? What? Jesus is looking forward. Beyond the cross, beyond the resurrection, beyond the ascension, to that moment where he is sitting at the right hand of God being worshipped. And it's not the first time it happened. It happened before there was anything. Before the world was created, okay? Before the world existed, what was there? That's right. Nothing. Nothing was there. It was God... 
And the angels he created to worship him. That's it. No sun, no moon, no stars, no earth, no ocean, no mountains, no Grand Canyon. Nothing. Just God being worshipped in the presence of the angels. Look at, look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Check this out. Here's what he says. He says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power, making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where Jesus is right now. When we come in here on Sunday mornings, make no mistake about it, we are singing to Jesus. Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 was answered because that's where he is. He's at the right hand of God, in God's glory. And we come in here every Sunday morning and we worship Jesus. The book of Philippians says that it is the name above every name. And at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you're in this room right now, your knee will bow. Your tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But the question is, is it going to be now when you have the chance to repent? Or will it be when you face judgment and you come face to face with the King of glory? And it's going to be too late. And so when we come here on Sunday mornings, we bring our best and we sing our hearts and our souls out to the Lord. Why? Because He is the one who saved us. He is the one who redeemed us. He is the one who came down humbly to be a man like you and I and to take our sins upon Himself on the cross. That's why we gather. That's why we worship. If you think that your being here on Sunday mornings is going to make God happy in some way and earn you something, I'm warning you, that's not it. That's horizontal worship. That's horizontal worship. Vertical worship is when we come and we sing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Horizontal worship is you just wanting to feel good in worship. Vertical worship is saying you are seated on the throne and I'm worshiping you and you alone. Horizontal worship says, they didn't really like that song, that was pretty lame. (laughs) Vertical worship says, You are blowing my mind with your grace. And you filled my heart with your Holy Spirit. And I owe it all to you. That's vertical worship. Singing to him, not about him. For him, because of him, and what he's done. The band's going to come back up right now. And I want to read to you something from Revelation chapter uh, chapter 5. We're going to sing a closing song. About the glory of God. Jesus gave us these four principles of what a vertical faith looks like. Vertical prayer. 
praying for him to be glorified. A vertical gospel, believing and proclaiming the gospel for God's glory. Vertical work, working for God's glory. And vertical worship, worshiping Jesus in his glory. We're going to put that last point to practice right now. But listen to this. Revelation chapter 5. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as, as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes and with seven spirits of, uh, of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, singing, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain by your blood. You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and glory and honor and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped.